Those words are wonderful, aren't they? To be made a joint heir with Jesus, my Lord. Hallelujah. You see, we have been made. Hallelujah. Part of Him. Hallelujah. You know, I, I think I may have shared it before. I don't know. I can't, can't remember where I've done what. But um, I was in my dreams. <laughs> Sleep. Hallelujah. At home the other night. And, you know, the wonderful thing is you can be dreaming while you're awake. <laughs> and you wonder, you're halfway between the two worlds. Hallelujah. <laughs> you're in Jesus and he's, he's revealing things and this thing about being a joint heir with Christ I've often read this, the scripture where it says we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus hallelujah you know and the, way, the revelation I got is that Jesus sits on the throne of our heart. <laughs> he's the king of all kings and he's, he's, he sits on the throne of our heart and we jointly sit with him. Hallelujah. And you say, well, is that heavenly places? Well, where Jesus is, as the song goes, it is heaven there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where Jesus is, and it's a wonderful privilege to have this relationship with God. Uh, if you'd been with us last last weekend or, or through the two days of last the last week, you would have heard Gordon speaking about the temple. We are the temples of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! You see, God dwells in us. We can dwell in the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is within us. Hallelujah. When we realize of the potential we have being a temple of God. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. There's always a worship going on in the temple. You know, there's always a worship can be going on in our temple, brother and sister. Hallelujah. We can be worshiping God. Where we are, whatever's happening around us, the temple is still the same. It's a place where we can go. It's our retreat. It's our retreat from the world. Hallelujah. The world does not understand the principles of the Holy Spirit. It does not understand the principles of the power of the God which dwells within us. Hallelujah. I thank God for a uh, uh, an ongoing indwelling of the Spirit in each one of us, brothers and sisters. He's there. Hallelujah. Have you visited your temple this morning? Well, you can now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God.
Hallelujah. Father, I just ask you to take complete control. That the things that I say might be in conformity with your will and purpose at this time, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that I can submit myself to you, Lord, at this time as, as a vessel that can be used as you will. Father, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing hidden from you, Lord. We may sometimes not see, as the word says, but through a glass darkly. But Father, we ask for a face-to-face meeting this morning with you. Hallelujah. We just want to hear your voice. Your voice. The voice that can put a million to a flight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your voice which controls the whole world system. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. What a mess this world is in, but you're still in control. We believe that, Lord. Hallelujah. You're still in control of our lives, Lord. Hallelujah. You will permit these things to happen, that your glory might be revealed in us. Hallelujah. We thank you for that privilege, Lord, of the glory of God being revealed through us. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to start this morning in Matthew chapter 6 and see where we go from there. Hallelujah. We're at Matthew 6, verse 9. Are you there? Say, hey. We're there. Hey, man. This is Jesus' instruction. This Uh, This prayer is known as the model prayer. People use it as a prayer, but it was only a model for how we should pray. Jesus taught this. This is how, the sort of way you should pray to God. He doesn't expect us to repeat over and over and over again the same thing. Um, As if it had power in itself. The power is in you, brother and sister, not in... uh, not in what the Bible has written here about this one prayer. But it, it's a model. And what, what is a model is something we should model, model our prayer on. It says, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father. Now the first thing is, we have to acknowledge that he's our Father. Don't know about you, uh, Andrew acknowledges I'm his Father. Sometimes to his cost. Because <laughs> I embarrass him. <laughs> Bless, I might be doing that right now, but <laughs> it illustrates the point, you see. We are our father's children, and God acknowledges us. Hallelujah. But we still have to approach him 
in the right way when we pray. It says, hallowed be thy name. We have to have reverence towards him, you see. Sometimes we can treat God as just an ordinary buddy <laughs> that we talk to all the while, you know. Well, God wants to talk to us to talk to him as a child to his father. That's how God wants us to speak to him. Not with highfalutin words, you know, sometimes they approach God with all this uh, about his uh, deity and about his character and all the other things. But he just wants us to call him Daddy. Daddy. And then we, we get his attention. This is the wonderful thing. When we approach him right, we get his attention. Hallelujah. He wants to see something in our heart. You see, God always looks at the heart first. Hallelujah. He does. He always looks at your heart first. He looks at your motive second. <laughs> he looks, what's, what are they after? You know, I don't know when you've had kids, but you can always say, what are they after? <laughs> They're there. They've got something on their mind. Well, God looks at us like that, and he examines everything about us. So when we approach God, we have to examine ourselves to see what our motive is. You know, because I believe God will never turn us down if our motive is right. Hallelujah. He won't. He'll always accept us as we are. It's not about condition. It's about their heart and our motive. You see, sometimes we pray in desperation. Sometimes, don't we? <laughs> We're desperate. I, I don't know about you, I'm desperate over my friend Josie. I could weep buckets this morning. She's going through a trial. A trial of her faith. and tr We're with her in this. Hallelujah. My heart goes out to her. And I'm sure yours does as well. I've known her for years and years. I don't know even. Well, I know. 78 was when I first came to know her. So. Hallelujah. I know that God is able. But we just have to come to the point where we understand what his will is. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Now, some people are still looking for the kingdom to come. But the kingdom came when Jesus died on the cross. The kingdom came into being. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are able to approach God. The veil has been rent from top to bottom. Hallelujah. And we have access directly into the Holy of Holies. Hallelujah. We don't have to mess about. We can get get right up close to God because of the blood sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Hallelujah. He makes us holy. He makes us holy. And when God sees us, we sing it, don't we? He don't longer see old Alan, he sees Jesus in me. Hallelujah. He sees the sacrifice that has been made for my sin. That's sin in the past, sin in the present, and sin in the future. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. He doesn't, as the Bible says, he doesn't have to die regularly like the 
the uh, sin offering had to be made regularly. He died once and for all. And our sin is dealt with once and for all. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I thank God for that. So, the kingdom has come. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's way of operating. It's a whole lot of things. But it's, it's something, it's the system behind the gospel. It's there. The kingdom of God is, exists. We are part of that kingdom. We qualified to live in the kingdom. Hallelujah. It's, the, it's really, the, it's talked about as kingdom of heaven elsewhere. You see, it's God's with us down here. God is with us. This kingdom exists. Hallelujah. And it has so many facets. It's fascinating to find out what the kingdom consists of. You know. Hallelujah. It's, you know, it's amazing what God has placed us in. We don't have any needs that God doesn't know. He says, I, I know all the, about all that you need. He's the God of provision. Hallelujah. It's part of the kingdom. It's part of the kingdom. He's, he's the God of healing. He's the God of deliverance. All part of the kingdom. If you're in the kingdom, you qualify. You know, it's like coming... When you come to England, uh, some of you Africans have come over here and you've become citizens of, of Great Britain. You qualify for everything that, that the kingdom stands for. Hallelujah. You might have to fight for it. You might have to go in the army. Like I had to go in the Air Force. <laughs> but I qualified because I was... a a citizen, and I had to serve two years. Didn't like it much. It taught me a lot of things. It made me stand on my own two feet. It showed me that I could exist in a... In a <laughs> well, it's another kingdom when you go in the forces, I'll tell you. The first thing they tell you is, your time is not your own. If we tell you to do something, you have to do it, whether you want to do it or not. And all the rest of it. It's a different sort of kingdom. But... It was part of the kingdom of England. It's part of the law. I had to do exactly what they told me. I couldn't go home if I felt like it on a Wednesday night. I had to get a ticket to say that they let me go home. You know, that is the sort of kingdom that I was living in when I was in the forces. But it's part of the British kingdom. And you see, there are all sorts of things in God's kingdom which constrain you. You're constrained by the Spirit of God. You see, once you become a citizen of God's kingdom, you can't do just what you like. You have to stick by, not rules, by the tenets of your faith. It's not rules, it's tenets of your faith. You have to do the things that are pleasing to God. You say, how do I know what's right? God gave us the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And he shows us, doesn't he? We're very privileged. We've got this helper to keep us on the tracks that God has, has given us. I thank God for the kingdom of God. It's constrained me to be here this morning. Hallelujah. I didn't necessarily want to be here preaching this morning. My flesh doesn't like it much uh, because I have to lean on God. But my spirit is joyful because of, because of what I have. Hallelujah. It's so wonderful. Hallelujah.
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a prayer. God is having his way with the world, even when we see all these other things going on. Do you know, uh, even this ISIS, ISIL, whatever it is, they call it ISIS, don't they? This thing that's going on in the Middle East, it's a, it's a threat to civilization as we know it. But God has allowed it. You see, we, we thought we'd interfere with Iraq, and I'm not getting into politics or whether we should or we shouldn't. God permitted it. Uh, and we created a lot of what's going on. If you go back even farther, in 1918, we divided all these countries and put all the boundaries. Somebody in an office somewhere in England drew some lines on the map and said, that, that's Iraq, that's Syria, that's Saudi Arabia, all those things. We as a country, Brit- Great Britain and France was involved with us, did that. We created the problem. We interfered. And so we are in a situation now where these, these people are challenging what we would call God's, God's way of doing things. Hallelujah. But God is still in control. Hallelujah. God is still in control. Don't think it's not in control. This will have an outcome. I don't know what the outcome, God hasn't revealed it to me, but I'm sure that this will have an outcome which, will, which is pointing to Jesus coming again, I'm sure. Hallelujah. I will be done in earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. See, God has promised that while, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. That's way back there in Genesis. There's going to be seed time and harvest, and we, God has made provision for us in the world that we might have something to eat. Hallelujah. But we still have to look to him. We still have to ask him to be gracious to us and allow us our daily bread. Hallelujah. It's a miracle. When you think about it, you know, uh, I don't know when you study these things, but we are never more than a few weeks away from starving. When next year's harvest, well, this year's harvest comes in, it will replenish all the granaries and all the other things. We're never, we're never more than a few weeks away from, from starving. It's a fact, of, fact that these things have to be produced. And we have all these different storms in some countries. We have uh, lack of rain in some other countries. And we have all these ups and downs of the grain market. Last year was great. There was a huge harvest. And, and we've got quite a bit in store. But we still need this year's harvest to come in for us to be fed. Um, and that, that goes from all, all, all the things that we eat. It's a miracle when you go in a supermarket, you look at all the stuff that's on the shelves. It's incredible. But it's God who's behind it all. You see, none of this produce would arrive here if it wasn't grown. 
And it wouldn't be grown if there wasn't the right conditions for it to grow. And so we're very blessed, but it's lovely. God likes us to ask him, give us this day our daily bread. He wants, not only does he want us to ask him, he wants us to be thankful for what we get. That's why we give thanks for the food. Hallelujah, that we get. Now this, is, this gets down to the root of things in lots of ways. And it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's difficult, isn't it? Forgiveness is a, a difficult subject for lots of us because we might say we forgive people, but uh, memory is quite a difficult thing in human beings, isn't it? You will always, if somebody does you harm, you will always remember, even though you might forgive them. And there's always the possibility that lurking somewhere in your psyche is that unforgiving spirit. And God will not have it, as we're going to read in the next verse. We forgive our debtors. Do we forgive our debtors? Do we forgive everybody? Do we harbour grudges? You see, God taught the man that had a grudge that he should first, before he made his offering to God, that he would go and make restitution for what he thought and what he feel. Because, you see, unforgiveness can block your pathway to God. It can. It, it could get into your psyche and you can get very angry and all sorts of things can go on as a re- result of unforgiveness. Jesus must have put this pretty high on his agenda where, to put that in this prayer to start with. That we should forgive, it, forgive us our debts. See, Jesus forgive, forgave all our sins didn't he? And we should forget the sins of others just in the same sort of way. And then it goes on, lead us not into temptation. Temptation is a difficult thing. The world has a way of phrasing things. To, to I don't know about you, I, I'm never amazed, I never cease to be amazed at the things that fall into my inbox or my computer. Quite, quite, um, quite well worded. You know, they're they're there to lead you up a pathway that you shouldn't be going, going to go. And uh, God does not lead you into temptation, but the devil does. Hallelujah! And he makes things look to you and me. He makes things look as though they're harmless. You know, they're they're not really important. But we are to resist temptation. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. (coughs) Temptation comes in various other ways as well. We're sometimes tempted 
to doubt. Probably one of the biggest temptations that we get is to doubt. Is God really listening to me? Is, is the situation I'm in because of something I've done? Is this happening to me to teach me a lesson? All temptation is to point you back to God. Anything that comes into your life which distracts you from your walk as a Christian is from the devil and it's a temptation. Hallelujah. But you see the thing is that it talks about in the New Testament it talks about we're tempted and tried. We're tried to see whether we have learnt the lessons in life to, to realise that God wants to take us to a higher walk with him where we resist temptation and we walk it increases, when you go through temptation it increases the level of your faith if you're, if you're walking with God it does, it does it increases the level of your faith uh, that God, if God gave you a um, a simple walk where everything was fine and wonderful, you wouldn't grow. But when we walk with God and we're tempted and tried, as it says, then it's an opportunity for God to increase our faith. Isn't that wonderful? God, see, it, it's, we're, well, no matter how long you go on with God, there are always things that come into life where you are tempted not to trust God to bring the answer. But deliver us from evil. He came to deliver us. And I see it this way. He came to set us free from stinking thinking. You can tell I've been listening to a certain young lady on Christian Channel, can't you? Stinking thinking. There's a lot of stinking thinking goes on amongst Christians. We, we must sort out our theology. God is good. Devil is bad. And things come into two categories. If something bad has happened to you, it's not God. God is trying to steer you away, steer you back to him, maybe. But if it's bad, it's not for you. Because God has made promises that he'll keep you and he will deliver you from all evil. Hallelujah. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This thing never has an end. Never has an end. You say, what do you mean? Well, God loves you with an everlasting love. And as it, say, it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we know the love. It says the only thing that will survive when we get to heaven is the love of God. And it also says in there, one verse which I love, it says, you see it, I put it on the glory news this year, God's love never ends. There's one verse in there that says that. No. 
It's hard to believe, isn't it, that God's love will ever, will never end. You know, we, we, when we walk about, we think sometimes, um, how can he carry on loving me the way I, way I think sometimes, the way I am sometimes? Now, the, there's lots of different prayers that we can pray. Um, how I, I always like when I'm when I'm doing something. I always like to see what Jesus did. How would Jesus have handled this situation? So I'll just take you through, through a few things um, quickly. Lazarus. He was sick. For some unknown reason, we know now, but at the time it was unknown. Jesus delayed for four days to go to pray for Lazarus. He knew that Lazarus was sick. They, they told him and he could have been there and he could have prayed for him. Uh, but he delayed his prayer. Now God can make you wait. When you pray, God can make you wait. You need faith when you come approach God. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. You have to be willing to wait for the answer. When the answer comes, it's usually like this, much greater than you comprehend at the time when you see the problem. We, we find that Lazarus being raised from the dead was the reason, main reason why the, they wanted to kill Jesus. The high priests talked amongst themselves and said, what shall we do? This, this is a notable miracle. And they, they first thought was to kill Lazarus. That's their first thought. But then they, th- they thought a little bit stronger than they thought, why not kill Jesus? He's the one that's the problem, not Lazarus. Um, and he, this particular miracle had in, implications to the fact that Jesus was going to the cross. You see, now, when God's working, he's working in a multiplicity of different ways. It's always more complicated than you think. There are so many complications because God is in control of everything. Not just one situation, not just Lazarus. He was working on Mary, Martha. He was working on all the people that that were at the feast after when Lazarus was raised. He was working on the whole area. And this one thing. Does God always hear us? Does God always hear us? The Bible teaches us that he always hears us. You know, um, blind Bartimaeus had to shout pretty loud to get a response from Jesus. But I'm sure he heard him the first time he shouted. <laughs> and he hears you when, you when you cry. It says he will hear you. He will hear you immediately. He will hear you. Now, that doesn't mean to say he's going to respond immediately. Jesus carried on walking for a bit with Bartimaeus. Uh, and his disciples were there saying, don't bother, it's just another guy on the side of the road, leave him. Let's go. We've got somewhere to go, we've got something to do. 
but Bartimaeus cried out the more. Sometimes we have to cry more than once to God. Now the Bible teaches us that when we pray we shouldn't be repetitious, i.e. like, like the Muslims. You know, they, their prayers are repetitious. They, they sort of do all these things. In, in the theory that because they're, they're more consistent and doing the same thing over and over again, God's going to listen. Um, our God's not like that. He hears us. But sometimes he allows us uh, to wait. Hallelujah. And so what do you do while you're waiting? <laughs> you keep reminding him. <laughs> you remind him. You can remind him that you've asked. You can remind him of his promises. You can remind him of his word. Hallelujah. You see, these are positive things that God allows you to do. You don't keep going on, oh, Lord, I need this. Lord, oh, help. <laughs> All this sort of stuff doesn't move God. He, he has compassion for you. I'm not saying he doesn't have compassion for you. But you have to touch the right spot, I think. You have, it has to come from your heart, your cry. That's where he hears your heart from. And sometimes you don't get a positive answer. But you don't know the ramifications of what would have happened if you, what you asked for, he gave you. You see, I'll share something that's a little bit private, but I think it illustrates the point. I, I've been talking to God about the coming revival. You know, we all know that there's a revival on the horizon. And I was in my half-sleep talking to God about it. I, I woke up, I wasn't. It was my subconscious, whatever it is, spiritual being. I was talking to God about it. And he's, he said, if I gave you right revival right now, you couldn't cope with it. <laughs> I, it's not that I'm not willing to give you revival, but you're not ready for what, I, what you're asking. And how often do we, do we ask God for things that, if he gave us, could be quite destructive to us? You see, God is preparing us for whatever he has in mind. I'm sure revival is coming. Whether I shall be involved in that, you know, I keep thinking, well, I've been waiting since 1958 for this revival, God. <laughs> Will I be here when it comes? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether I'm going to figure in it at all. I'd love to be there. <laughs> I, one time I thought I might be part of the instigation of it. But uh, I don't feel like that anymore because God said... It's not just, I'm not ready for it. It's just, it's also that I'm not willing to, to take the, the cost. God knows what, you can, what, what you're able to take. There's a cost for everything we ask God for. There's a cost. There is a cost. And sometimes we don't have the ability to meet that cost. It's a, it's a very trying thing. So God went through this quite significantly with me in the middle of the night, you know. So I don't know. I've just said, all I can say to God is, have your way, Lord. Do what you want. I'm here for whatever you want. And I think that's all we, all we can all say, you know. We, we all want revival, 
But do we really want revival and what it brings? Because there's an awful challenge. You see, Jesus had to face the challenge to go to the cross. He had to set his face like flint and go. And sometimes if God calls us to do something, we have to set our face and go. Hallelujah. And only God knows when we're ready. Let me tell you that. Only God knows when you're ready for whatever he's called you to. Hallelujah. Jesus hears her cry. After the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, it talks about fasting. See, prayer and fasting does go together. Jesus said in one place, this sort only comes out with prayer and fasting. Now, I've called for a fast on Thursday. Those who God leads... We're going to fast for this cancer in Josie. We're going to fast, fast over it as a, as a group. It's not just here. There's others all over the country which will... We're going to fast. Uh, and I'm going to go and break bread at her house, anoint her with oil, and pray the prayer of faith that God may raise her up. Amen. Hallelujah. I think the fast is important. Fasting doesn't do anything for you and credit to God. This is where people make a mistake. They think if you fast, you're getting brownie points with God and that he'll do more for you. Fasting is to bring your flesh under subjection to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. He wants you to be... You see, that's the way he views you. You subject yourself to God through fasting. I don't know why God chooses that way. It's mainly giving up food. It's mainly giving up food. Some people fast all sorts of things, don't they? Chocolate and all the other stuff. and (laughs) Switching the television off, all those sorts of things. But as far as I can see, biblically, it's only giving up food. Now, the last thing your body wants to do is give up food. (laughs) But we're not controlled by the flesh. We're controlled by the spirit. So I pray that you, if God reveals it to you, you'll, you'll fast with us on Thursday. I, by the way, I'm going to hopefully do this prayer at 11 o'clock if it's convenient for Joseph. Um, so I could be praying to that for Thursday. Now, you all know Josie. She prays for people here. She's a little lady, sits on the back row. Carol's sister. She's on the back row now. Do you? You're not, you would know her if she was here. But uh, she suddenly they found that she has cancer and that it's untreatable. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a hard thing to believe when somebody's got cancer, isn't it? And what the Holy Spirit said, well, don't believe it. <laughs> don't believe it. Don't believe it. You don't have to believe it, because as soon as you believe it, you confirm it. So I'm not going to confirm it, but you see, the thing is, we have to do what's prescribed in the Bible um, when these things happen. 
Now, we don't need to have this sad face on it. We, we, when you're fasting, it says here, anoint your face and look a bit happy. <laughs> <laughs> your flesh might be hurting, but, <laughs> but don't, don't portray it yourself. See, if you portray yourself as somebody that's doing something, it's not about that. It's about showing God that you're serious and your flesh, bringing your flesh into subjection to the purpose and plan of God. Hallelujah. Uh, in John 9, it talks about the blind man and it says, who, has, who sinned? Did, he, did this man sin or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus said these salient words. He said, this didn't happen because of sin. This happened that God's name might be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, we sometimes look at things and say cause and effect. That's, that's, that's the human mind, isn't it? Why is this condition? Why is this? Nothing to do with sin. It's that God might be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have to, we have to clear, this is, this is what I call theology. The real theology. And theology is not understanding the Bible backwards. It's knowing God. And knowing the things that are real. Hallelujah. Now David fasted. You know, we all know David's story, how he sinned and he, he had a child with a woman and he killed her husband and all the rest of it. And God said, this child will, will die. Now David, as we know, was a, was a man after God's own heart. So what did he do? He put sackcloth and ashes on, he fasted, and he lay on the floor, king in his palace, with all his courtiers all around, not knowing what to do. And the reason he did it is he said, who knows, but God in his mercy will, will change his, his mind. Now, I believe we can change God's mind. Now, you might say, well, that's, that's stretching it a bit far. I think God somebody, some, sometimes challenges us to believe that our prayer can influence what he does. Yeah, because God still had the intention, I'm sure, of saving that child, because it wasn't the child that sinned. But in this case, he didn't relent. But David knew the principle, and we know the principle. Hallelujah. That God sometimes challenges us to challenge him. Hallelujah. We can challenge God. It's, it's not rocket science. We can challenge God to say, Lord, I don't believe that's like you. You know, this thing... I know it's not your, it's not because of you. Now in James 5, verse 13, it talks about us anointing the sick with oil, the elders coming together and anointing people. Now, people wonder why we get this oil bottle out on occasions <coughs> and we anoint people when we pray for them. That's what James told us to do. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not trusting in the oil bottle. I'm trusting in the God of the oil bottle. 
because some churches think there's something magic about this. You know, this, this particular bottle was given me by somebody who brought it back from Jerusalem and he got it, bought it on the Via de la Rosa or where it was and he thought it would be a nice present for me. Well, it might be special oil and it might have come from Jerusalem and it might even be where, near where Jesus passed by, but it's still only oil. <laughs> now, somebody came and asked Henry, this is a true story, he was working in his garage on his, I think his motor mower or something. Uh, somebody came and asked him to anoint them with oil because they were, were sick. So Henry being Henry, he got the three-in-one oil and gave him a squirt. <laughs> <laughs> you might think that's being a bit irreverent. But I think he was just trying, because the guy, I think, was a little bit religious. He was trying to break the religion off of him before he was healed. And sometimes we need to have the religion breaking off us. Hallelujah. We get so religious about things. James said this. We should do that. I've had people come and say it. Uh, and I thought, ooh, what did the Holy Spirit say? Hallelujah. It's maybe in that circumstance James said that for that. But God has a way of doing things differently. See, every time he prayed for the blind, he did something different. Or the dumb, he spat, spat on one man and put it on his tongue to heal his, his dumbness. He put mud in people's eyes, you see. He was all unorthodox. God will often ask you to do something which cuts across your religious upbringing. Hallelujah, because God wants to show you it's not based on what you think, it's based on what his Holy Spirit says. Hallelujah. So never be afraid to do something unorthodox, because God is unorthodox. He's always doing things differently. Hallelujah. In 1 John 5, 14, it says we can be confident that we hear, he hears us. Now, we have to be confident in our relationship with God. We don't have confidence in the flesh, but we have confidence in our relationship with God. Hallelujah. Because it's not about us. The relationship with God is we draw near to him and he draws near to us. Hallelujah. It's as simple as that. If you want to have a relationship with God, you just draw near to him. You can do that in many ways. You can be walking about on the high street, doing your shopping, and you feel his presence and you just draw near to him. And he'll speak to you. You see, God works in the most ordinary ways in our lives. Um, I don't know about you, he says all very ordinary things to me sometimes, which are quite subtle, quite earth-shaking, like, like the things he does when I'm half awake. Now, Romans 8. I love Romans 8. I could spend the whole life in the Romans 8. Twenty-two. We all know this, we read it time and again. Some of this, 
sums up what I was saying before. For we know that the whole world, whole creation, groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. The world around us is groaning and travailing. Hallelujah. It's growing. And when it grows, it's like everything. There's always travail. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to which the redemption of our body. Something in us groans, doesn't it? We want to be more like Jesus. We groan in ourselves. We look at ourselves sometimes and we groan. I don't know about you. I sometimes give up on myself. <laughs> because of it, you say, because of my flesh, my flesh wars with my spirit all the while. So it's just, Paul says, so the things I would like to do, I find myself not doing. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. But you see, the whole whole thing, as Romans 8 says, is to bring us into a walking, living relationship with God. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. But what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now, I don't know about you, I haven't achieved all the things that I'm able to see that are possible. See, we have this vision. It talks about we have this vision. Which we, we see things how they can be and how they should be. And uh, we have to have patience and hold on. When we're praying when we're ministering, when we're the things that we do in the spirit, we have to be patient. But this is what I, the, the bits that I wanted to get to. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You see that the Spirit is working in us to pray to God. And uh, I, th- I thank God that we can pray in tongues. I find that's the best thing you can possibly do, is to pray in tongues. When you don't know what to pray, when you don't know how to pray, just go off into your heavenly language and talk to God. Because the Holy Spirit knows what you need. The Holy Spirit knows what's necessary for it in these situations that you face, which look on the outside to be insurmountable. But God is working on the inside. And it says, He that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We have to ask God to have his way 
in our lives, in the people that we're praying for. And we have to trust him and be comfortable and confident that he will do what he's promised to do. And then there's the famous verse, verse 28, and it says, We know all things work together for good to them that are, love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, when I look at that in the Amplified, there's a little nuance in there that's not in the King James, and it says, when it's talking about all things, it says, all things are fitting into a plan that God has. They are fitting in. See, when you look at some things, you think, well, how can that ever be? But when we pray, we have to ask God and believe that God is making things work together for good. That he has a plan for the situation that we face, whether it's ours or somebody, in somebody else's life. He has a plan. We don't know what that plan is, and we may never know what the plan is. But he's given us the privilege of being able to be part of the plan in our prayers. So, brothers and sisters, I think we're very privileged to have the channel of prayer available to us. Hallelujah. But let's not use it lightly. That's the problem. People abuse the channel of prayer. They think it's a shopping list of the things that they want. And then they get disappointed because God doesn't give them to them. You know, we mustn't always approach God saying, I want this, I want that, I need this, I need that. God knows what you need. God will supply what you need. Hallelujah. It says those that come to God should come with a thankful heart. Hallelujah. We should come with a thankful heart and thank him for what he's done. And thank him for the things that he is doing and the things that he will do. Hallelujah. And it's through that, that channel of thankfulness in us that God will bless, Amen. that God will have his way.